The Old Pilot's Plain Tales. 303 Squadron, Kosciuszko. The third rising of Germany, which brought Hitler to power, had resulted in a land grab under the auspices of reuniting the traditional German territories and peoples. The British Prime Minister, Neville Chamberlain, returned from the Munich Conference and, clambering out of a Lockheed 14, he waved a worthless piece of paper in the air and declared, I have returned from Germany with peace for our time. Churchill's opinion was typically blunt. In a letter he wrote, England has been offered a choice between war and shame. She has chosen shame and will get war. On the 31st of March 1939, the United Kingdom, with France, pledged itself to the support of Poland. However, they were far from being ready for war, and when at 0440 on the 1st of September Germany invaded Poland, there was little they could actually do. However, despite this, on the 3rd of September 1939, the Prime Minister spoke to the country, telling the somber listeners that he had asked Germany to promise to withdraw from Poland. I have to tell you now that no such undertaking has been received and that consequently this country is at war with Germany. Outnumbered and outgunned, the Polish Air Force dispersed to secondary airfields and fought bravely. Despite flying the obsolete PZL-11 fighter, they accounted for over 170 German aircraft. However, the ground war wasn't going well, and with the country about to fall, a great number of their pilots managed to escape to France, one of whom was Mirek Wojciechowski. Born in Turin, his father served with the Polish cavalry in one of the last great cavalry battles at Zamusht, where the Soviet army, led by Stalin, was driven back. Learning to fly from an open cockpit, their parachute training was something of a trial. Strapping themselves into chutes for the first time, they clambered out onto the wing of the giant Friedrichshafen G3 biplane and simply slid off into the void below. He trained with the famous fighter school at Deblin, and although their equipment wasn't the most modern, their ideas and tactics were right up to date. When on the 1st of September 1939, Poland's border defences were overrun, he made a quick visit to his mother and younger sister, Marysia, to say his goodbyes. They were hurried, and he never saw them again. Two weeks later, Poland was on her knees, and although their resistance would cost Germany more in dead and wounded than the combined armies of Belgium, Holland, Luxembourg, France and England the following year, Mirek was ordered to take his aircraft to Romania. With the help of the Polish ambassador, he was given a false passport and visas to begin a long journey to somewhere where he could continue the fight.
He crossed the border into former Yugoslavia, then into Greece, and finally, pretending to be a travelling salesman, into France. Many of his compatriots were assigned to French squadrons, but Mirek opted to go to England, where he joined the RAF Volunteer Reserve. Mirek was 22 when he completed his dangerous and complicated journey to arrive in Blackpool and begin his RAF training. He had already fought a war, crossed four countries and the Channel, so that he could have a chance to get back at the Nazis. But the RAF wasn't going to make it easy for him. It must be said that the British command regarded their Slavic allies as inferior pilots to their own, with broken morale and hindered by language difficulties. Except for the language, they were completely wrong. Along with his Polish friends and colleagues, Mirek got to grips with his training, as they all would have done. A lot of things were different. They worked in miles and not kilometres, gallons instead of litres, and the throttles of British aircraft worked in the opposite sense to Polish ones. There were constant speed propellers to deal with, and for some, retracting undercarriage proved an easy area for error. Tactics were different. They had never heard of radar or interceptions controlled from the ground. However, they were keen and able. Training aircraft were the likes of the Hawker Hector, the Fairy Battle and the Hurricane Mark I. But eventually, the RAF established Number 303 Squadron for the Polish Air Force pilots. It was one of 16 Polish squadrons to be formed and was named after the Polish hero general Tadeusz Kościuszko. What the British did not yet realise was that many of the Poles were excellent pilots. Having come through the Polish and French campaigns, some had more combat experience than most of their British comrades, and they employed superior tactics. The squadron trained and trained, but wasn't given operational status, despite the Battle of Britain being two months old. And then, on one fateful day, when Mirak was following his section leader, Ludwig Paskovich, on yet another training mission, flying Hawker Hurricanes, everything changed. Ludwig spotted a German aircraft. I turned over and dived after him. When turning over, I noticed the black crosses on the wings. Then I aimed at the fuselage and opened fire at about 200 yards, later transferring to the port engine, which I set on fire. When I drew very close, I pressed down under for a new attack, and then I saw another hurricane attacking and a German bailing out by parachute. On his return to Northolt, flying off Sapaskovich was reprimanded for breaking discipline. But then the smiles broke out, and they celebrated his and the squadron's first victory. The next day, the squadron was declared fully operational and posted to Number 11 Group. This episode was immortalised in the famous Repeat Please, Repeat Please scene in the classic 1969 film The Battle of Britain. This was a turning point for the Polish fighter pilots. At last they had the equipment and the freedom to strike back at the enemy. For the next six weeks, 303 Squadron was in the thick of it, but they weren't alone. 
one of the finest examples of their work was a remarkable feat accomplished by Sergeant Antoni Glavacki of Number 501 Squadron, who on the 24th of August claimed five enemy aircraft which were shot down in three combat sorties over a single day. He was one of only three pilots who achieved the ace-in-a-day status during the Battle of Britain, and he recalled the day's actions in his memoirs. Suddenly a defiant with a Messerschmitt 109 on its tail flashed across my path between me and the Junkers. I am now firing at the Messerschmitt, and see my burst sink into its fuselage and wings. He is hit, and goes down closely behind the defiant which trails black smoke. Both aircraft crash into the sea below. In the following weeks, number 303 Squadron achieved a truly astonishing score of 126 enemy planes, as well as 13 probables and 9 damaged, claiming the title of the best scoring unit in the Battle of Britain. One of their extraordinary feats was to shoot down 14 planes plus 4 probables in one sortie over London on the 7th of September the first day of the Blitz, without a single loss on their side. The scores of 303 Squadron were so impressive that RAF Fighter Command sent up British observers, including North Holt Station Commander Stanley Vincent, who wondered if the Poles might be guilty of inflating the numbers in their post-action reports. The observers, along with the British Squadron Commanders, found that the scores were not being over-reported, since the Poles were so fiercely competitive with one another and so keenly aware of the scrutiny they were under by the British that they never reported a kill unless it was confirmed by at least one other pilot. Still sceptical, Vincent decided he would find out for himself. On September the 11th, he was following the squadron in his own hurricane, when the Poles encountered a large enemy bomber formation over Horsham, heading for London. Flying above the squadron, Vincent watched as two hurricanes peeled off and dived almost vertically at the German bombers with near-suicidal impetus. Startled by the ferocity of the attack, the German pilots broke formation, whereupon the Poles began picking off the scattered bombers one by one. Several times during the combat, the Poles would close almost to a collision point before opening fire on a target. The results were devastating for the Germans. Suddenly, Vincent declared, the air was full of burning aircraft, parachutes and pieces of disintegrating wings. It was also rapid. It was staggering. An experienced fighter pilot himself, Vincent tried to get into the fight but every time he started to close on an enemy bomber, a diving pole would cut in between, and I had to pull away to avoid being hit myself. Remaining prudently on the sidelines, Vincent was finally persuaded. When he landed at Northolt that afternoon, he told his intelligence officer, My God, they are doing it! With observers in tow, number 303 squadron again notched up 14 confirmed kills in a single day. Nine of the squadron's pilots qualified as aces for shooting down five or more enemy aircraft. 
One of them was Sergeant Josef Frontisek, a Czech who called himself a Pole and preferred to fly with Poles. With a personal score of 17 enemy aircraft, he was arguably the top scorer of the Battle of Britain. Four of the Polish officers were awarded distinguished flying crosses after the battle, amongst them flying officer Witold Dubanovich of No. 303 Squadron, one of the best scorers with 15 kills. There was little doubt that this small concentration of exceptional pilots were capable of extraordinary achievements. 303 Squadron scored nearly three times the number of kills as the average British fighter squadron, with only one-third of the casualty rate. By the end of the Battle of Britain, this single squadron of men who had fought their way across war-torn Europe to seek refuge and a chance to fight again in Britain had become the most successful fighter squadron in the country. Success in combat can be mainly attributed to the years of extensive and rigorous pre-war training that many of the long-serving Polish veterans had received in their homeland, far more than their younger and less experienced RAF comrades that were being thrown into the battle. Tactics and skill also played a role. On one occasion, number 303's Sergeant Stanislaw Kalibin resorted to extreme tactics to bring down a German fighter. Following a prolonged air battle, Kalibin was chasing a German fighter at treetop level. As he closed in on the tail of the German fighter, he realised that his hurricane had run out of ammunition. Rather than turning back to base, he closed the distance and climbed just above the German aircraft. The German pilot, shocked to see the underside of a hurricane within arm's reach of his cockpit, instinctively dived to avoid a collision and crashed into the ground. The Polish pilots were brave and reckless, but skilled, and they went on to fight magnificently throughout the war. On the 25th of April 1945, Number 303 Squadron made its last wartime operational sortie, escorting two Avro Lancasters to Birchtesgaden on a raid. Many pilots had been decorated, many had died. Our friend Mirek had found both his older sister, Janka, and a wife in England, so he stayed and flew with the RAF for many years after the war. Sadly, he died in an accident when flying out of Odium, not far from me, in 1956. What happened to some of those other wonderful Polish pilots is a source of pain for many of us who know the story. Some decided, or in some cases were forced, to return to Poland, by then under Soviet occupation. This often had very serious consequences. The communist regime, distrustful towards ex-servicemen of the Polish armed forces in the West, barred them from flying in the Polish Air Force and in numerous cases imprisoned them on trumped-up charges of espionage. One of the most dramatic cases was that of Wing Commander Stanislaw Skalski, the top Polish scorer of the entire war, who spent eight years in prison 
after initially being sentenced to death. It was not until Stalin's death in 1953 that most of the airmen were able to regain their ranks and serve in the Polish Air Force. For all that had happened, both before and after the war, there was no doubting the Polish pilots' contribution to Britain during its darkest hours. Air Chief Marshal Sir Hugh Dowding, who led Fighter Command during the Battle of Britain, would later write, Had it not been for the magnificent material contributed by the Polish squadrons and their unsurpassed gallantry, I hesitate to say that the outcome of the battle would have been the same. Music by Sibiuskaya Vichora.